well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am glad that you join us on the program today. Apologies for the uh, technical issues on Wednesday. Not sure what happened. Did a show. Apparently, halfway through, my uh, audio decided, you know what, we're going to take a break. So, uh, hopefully... We are back with all of the uh, glitches and the uh, technical gremlins resolved. Glad to be with you and glad that you're with me here. Uh, we're going to be talking today about smart guns. That's right. I remember when uh, a few months ago, when I was out in Las Vegas at the uh, annual shooting hunting outdoor trade show, the first one held since uh, 2020, there were a number of uh, smart gun companies that were displaying their wares. Uh, Lodestar. Firearms was one of them. Uh, they had a very highly publicized fail of their product uh, when the gun did not fire during a, a demonstration shortly before SHOT Show. Uh, Smart Guns with a Z was another company that I uh, spoke with. They're based out of uh, Wichita. Uh, and then today, so, well, before I move on here uh, from SHOT Show, so the, the, the whole idea was that, okay, these smart guns are now ready to come to market. They'll be on your store shelves soon. I mean, it's, you know, getting close to June here. The year is almost halfway over. And uh, so far, the smart guns haven't shown up. But <laughs> the companies are still getting more funding for these uh, products that are not quite ready for prime time. Yeah, Axios with the uh, headline today, Smartup, uh, start, Smartup, Startup raises $17 million. To develop a smart gun. Now, here's the thing. This company called BioFire has actually been around for six years now, 2016, uh, when uh, the founder, Kai Klepper, Klepfer, uh, dropped out of MIT uh, with the goal, again, of, of creating this smart gun. And here we are six years later. And um, I mean, the company's around, still getting funded. Just don't have a product on the market yet. Uh, and as Axios reports in this glowing report, by the way, they are so excited about uh, the prospect of this smart gun. They write, uh, quote, even if you're someone who decries firearms proliferation and supports stricter gun control, this is an innovation that should be welcomed, which, by the way, it's been primarily gun control supporters who've been really pushing the idea of smart guns. So I don't know why Axios felt the need to say, "Hey, listen, uh, even if you're in uh, in favor of more gun control, you, you you should be you should be okay with this one," because that really is who's been driving this debate for thirty plus years now. Uh, now, Axios also quoted uh, Klepfer, the uh, CEO of BioFire. He says, "I see firearm ownership continuing to be a part of American culture for the foreseeable future. The issue has become so politicized." that really nothing is being done, even for things that shouldn't be political in any way, like kids getting a hold of guns. A smart gun isn't a cure-all, but we do think that we can have an immediate and substantial impact. Why? I think is a fair question to ask. Why? Uh, I imagine that Klepfer would say, well, be, because if, if these products are available, then, uh, you know, more gun owners are going to purchase them. Uh, they won't have their uh, 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 guns just, you know, able to be accessed by anybody and everybody. To which I would argue, um, if you are 
truly concerned about unauthorized access to your firearms, don't you already have other options beyond a smart gun that you could avail yourselves of? I mean, can you have a safe or a, even a cable lock? So I, I don't really buy the idea that there's this vast untapped market out there for uh, smart guns, you know, I guess from people who currently own guns, but uh, but don't feel that they're secure enough and apparently have never heard of gun safes. I, I mean, look, even if you, you know, like the idea of biometric technology or RFID technology, you can get safes that are equipped with that same technology. So I, I, I really don't. I don't know. I just the, the idea that, you know, as soon as these products come to market, boy, they're going to be instantaneously popular. I just don't see it. Uh, Clifford, as I mentioned, who dropped out of MIT to uh, to start this company, uh, says that the gun is being beta tested right now with law enforcement and firearms experts says that it doesn't have any RFID or other wireless capabilities that could turn off prospective buyers. Well, that's I mean, that's listen, any smart gun quote unquote, is going to have technology that's going to turn off a prospective buyer. Because basically, you've got two ways to go about turning a quote unquote dumb gun into a smart gun. You can use the RFID technology, which typically requires a wearable, right? So smart guns with a G, for example, that company, um, you've got to wear a ring on your finger. And if you don't have the ring on your finger, the gun doesn't work. So you can't shoot offhand, for instance, right? If you lose the wearable, uh, you're out of luck there too. So what BioFire is doing is a biometric gun, right? Basically a fingerprint reader, which has its own drawbacks. I don't know if you've ever tried to open up your smartphone when it's raining or maybe your hands are just sweaty. Um, I don't even bother, honestly. I don't even I don't I don't I don't use my my you know touch screen uh on my phone. I just use my access code every time. And even then, <laughs> sometimes I have trouble. Uh so the idea that you know a, a biometric fingerprint reader is going to be uh a hundred percent reliable, I, I that's just not been my experience with using uh, that technology in the past and other applications it also means you can't wear a glove. Uh, so, you know, if you're cold for whatever reason, um, there are other drawbacks. Again, with every with, with both of these technologies, there are drawbacks, there are limitations, which the smart gun developers honestly don't really want to talk too much about. But I guess it doesn't matter to the investors because they just poured 17 million more dollars into this six-year-old company that is still in beta testing for their fire. I mean, I don't want to give Klepfer uh, uh, too much grief over that. As I mentioned, I don't think any of these uh, smart gun companies that were displaying their wares at SHOT Show have actually brought a product to market yet. Uh, Lodestar Firearms, for example, they were recently, they're still out there uh, pushing their product. They uh, actually uh, spoke with a WSB in Atlanta and took one of the reporters out to the range. Uh, the story just came up yesterday, I think it was. Here's the uh, headline. Company says their smart gun is, quote, going to save lives. Not all activists on board yet. Yeah. And uh, and, and so Lodestar, uh, according to uh, Ginger Chandler, who's the co-founder and chief financial officer, says that you can authenticate 
the Lodestar, you can activate, I guess, the Lodestar gun in three different ways. You can use an app on the phone via Bluetooth, which sounds <laughs> completely impractical. If you need to use a fireman's self-defense, hey, hang on a second. Hang on. Hey, quick, come in and go through my window. Quick, come in through my window. I'm trying to use the app. I, I don't have a Bluetooth connection. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, then you could do a pin pad on the front of the grip that unlocks the gun. Uh, or it also locks it too, uh, or you can use a fingerprint. So they too do not use RFID technology. They're using a biometric uh, technology to unlock the firearm. Uh, the good news for Lodestar is that they apparently did not have any issues with the gun clicking instead of going bang when they took this WSP reporter out to the range. So that that's good. That's a slight improvement. Uh, but WSB did talk to some folks who, uh, like me, are hesitant, I, I guess it's fair to say, about the utility of a smart gun product. Uh, John Henry, who's the executive director of Georgia Carey, says it's going to be powered by a chip and a battery. Batteries go. They fail all the time. Uh, he says that smart guns may not be so smart when it comes to reliable self-defense. Quote, I don't like that you have to go through any other mechanism other than pointing and pulling the trigger. Uh, WSB also points out that the uh, National Rifle Association does not oppose the development or sale of smart guns, but uh, added that they oppose laws that seek to mandate uh, that uh, smart guns be the only guns available, which the CEO of Lodestar says he agrees with. says, in terms of mandates, we're against them. The uh, uh, head of uh, smart guns with a Z told me the same thing when I spoke to him at SHOT Show uh, back in January. Uh, and instead, they seem to be, um, I, I think I, I think these companies are actually, we're going to cover a couple of different business models. Let's, let's take their statement at face value, that they're not interested in mandates requiring people uh, to only purchase smart guns. I'm not sure that I actually believe that, but let's just, let's just take that statement at face value. Okay, you don't support that. One of the ways it seems these companies are trying to make money is by getting police agencies to adopt, quote unquote, smart guns, uh, which to date, by the way, we haven't seen happen, right? I, I, I uh, BioFire, uh, smart guns, and I believe even Lodestar says that they are beta testing uh, their guns with law enforcement groups. But I am not aware of any agency that has come out and said, hey, listen, after months of using this product, we are sold. All of our officers are going to ditch their dumb guns. They're going to start carrying smart guns instead. I actually, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen from a, you know, uber progressive uh, locale. Maybe San Francisco, maybe uh, Seattle, Washington, Madison, Wisconsin. But again, I, I, I think you're going to see objections on the part of rank-and-file law enforcement uh, if a department comes out and says, listen, we're switching to a smart gun. I think you're going to have the same concerns about reliability that every other, well, most other gun owners have. I won't say every other gun owner, but that most gun owners have. Because John Henry is right. When you need to use a firearm in self-defense, you really don't want any additional points of failure. And that's an inherent part of having a smart gun is that there is an additional point of failure. And the manufacturers can say, well, but it's it's safe. It's reliable. It's not going to. OK, maybe that's the case. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time. 
Um, but again, it's an additional point of failure. We already, as gun owners, have to factor in things like, you know, our guns jamming or a misfire, things of that nature. This is yet another thing to concern yourself about that you don't have to concern yourself about. Now look, as a gun owner, um, I am all in favor of responsible storage of firearms. I'm not a fan of uh, storage mandates. I don't think that there is a one-size-fits-all policy. But if you have young kids in your home, if you have teenagers in your home and they bring friends around uh, and you don't know or trust all of those friends, I think it's a wise idea uh, to ensure that there's no unauthorized access to your firearm. But again, I personally, I don't see myself ever buying a quote-unquote smart gun. Uh, because I, I don't, I don't see the benefit quite honestly, uh, in terms of storing my firearms, I can do that so that, uh, no unauthorized individuals have access to them and I can still access them readily for self-defense if necessary. Um, and I don't, again, have to worry about that failure point of what happens if my fingers are sweaty because somebody's breaking into my home. Uh, what happens if. I can't find my ring or what happens if I get shot? And I have to shoot off hand. Those are all questions that, you know, listen, they, they don't they don't rise up on a daily basis. But when you're considering a firearm for self-defense, all of a sudden those questions matter. Right now, though, they're all still moot points because despite the uh, repeated uh, statements by these smart gun companies that, oh, we're coming, we're coming always seems to be just a few months away, right? All right, turning our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a story to CWB Chicago. I got to, listen, I, I rely on this website probably more than I should, but I got to tell you, and I'm not being paid to say this, it's not a paid endorsement. I don't even know who runs CWB Chicago, but if you are a Chicago resident, if you're interested in what's going on with violent crime, follow this website. Kick in a couple bucks to them every now and then because they do great reporting on what's going on in the Windy City with the crumbling criminal justice system. Take a look at this headline. Gang leader who got $1,000 bail for a stolen gun four days after he got out of federal prison is a suspect in a mass shooting, according to Chicago police. Uh, and it wasn't just a uh, random Chicago police officer either. Uh, it was actually uh, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown who spoke out against this guy. Um. Sergio Barron is the alleged gang member's name. And the mass shooting took place Tuesday afternoon. According to David Brown, it's part of a weeks-long gang war that's been fueled uh, by Sergio Barron, who, again, only had to cough up $1,000 to get, after j uh, get out of jail for a uh, felony gun case back in March, which was four days after he was released from federal prison. David Brown says Barron is, quote, driving the violence in the back of the yard's neighborhood as retaliation for his brother being murdered last month. Uh, Brown says uh, when it comes to the March arrest of Barron, quote, our officers did their job. They took a gun off the street from a felon who had a violent history. That felon got a cash bond. So back in 2017, Sergio Barron got an eight-year sentence for aggravated discharge of a firearm and aggravated assault of a police officer. He allegedly shot a gun into an occupied car, and then when officers responded, he pointed the gun at them. 
So eight year sentence, 2017. You can do the math. It's not been eight years, but he was released on federal parole on March 24th. Uh, and according to Assistant State's Attorney Lucas Kalianatsis, when he appeared uh, uh, in uh, Cook County Court, uh, it was just four days after he was released from custody because police allegedly found a loaded and stolen gun in his car uh, a block away from where the shooting this past Tuesday occurred. According to the state's attorney, police saw Barron recklessly driving down the street. When police found the gun between the driver's seat and the center console, he admitted to having the gun for personal protection. Prosecutors charged him with the lawful use of a weapon by a felon as well as possession of a controlled substance. And then... Uh, Again, shows up in bond court and Judge Miriam Ahmad, who knew, by the way, about the previous federal prison sentence, who knew about the fact that he had been released on federal parole four days prior, um, said that he could go home as long as he turned over $1,000, which was 10% of his $10,000 bail. CWB Chicago says, according to court records, that's the exact amount that his public defender said he could afford. <laughs> yeah. So the judge apparently gave Mr. Barron a deal. Police superintendent to David Brown said, uh, quote, the risk assessment on violent offenders by our judges needs to get better. And he says the Chicago Police Department is trying to revoke Barron's bond and, quote, uh, get him back. In custody. Okay. But in the meantime, if you live in Chicago, you can't count on the court system to keep you safe. You can't count on city officials to keep you safe. Your safety, and this goes for all of us, quite frankly, not just those of us who live in Chicago. Although the need for self-defense, I think, is particularly acute in the Windy City these days. Ultimately, your safety is your responsibility. As we learned uh, once again this morning in a uh, case out of Philadelphia, where a man shot and killed a would-be robber while he was standing in front of his home. This was uh, Wednesday night. According to police, the uh, uh, victim in question was standing outside of his house, smoking a cigarette. Guy pedals up to him on a bicycle and says, hey, I'm, this is a robbery. Words to that effect. Points a gun at the guy. As it turns out, the... Uh, would-be victim was a concealed carry holder and did have his firearm on him. And so when the robber pointed a gun at him, he drew his own firearm, fired a shot, striking the robber. Police say it appears that the robber got off a couple of rounds of his own, neither one of which hit his intended victim. The robber then collapsed on the street. Uh, the uh, would-be victim called 911, reported what was going on. Police showed up. He remained on scene. Has been described as being cooperative. Is a licensed concealed carry holder. All indications are this is an act of self-defense. Uh, I wrote a piece about this uh, at BarryAndArms.com as well, talking about the rise in violent crime in Philadelphia, what police are doing to try to uh, bring this violence down. But again, what we all need to be aware of in terms of our own personal safety. Now, finally today, our good deed of the day from the state of Georgia, Woodstock, Georgia, where a uh, mom calls an off-duty officer her child's guardian angel after coming to the rescue of this two-year-old boy. Officer Baron Dixon uh, was off the clock, 
when uh, this little boy needed some help. According to the uh, local media, Fox 5 in Atlanta, um, y- Yakima Harris, who is this uh, little boy's mom, said that she had picked up her son, Messiah, from daycare. And when he got home, he started vomiting. She thought, you know, maybe just, you know, stomach bug, maybe he ate something. Um, and she thought he was feeling better. Like maybe it was just, you know, something weird. But then as he's playing, she said he just started laying down. Uh, she thought he was taking a nap and she realized he wasn't breathing. So she called 911. Officer Dixon at this point um, was off the clock. He was driving home when the call came in. Two-year-old was not breathing. He knew that he was right near where this call was coming from and that he'd be the first person to get there. So on the clock, off the clock, doesn't matter. Uh, He was able to get there um, and actually helped save the life of this child. Now, Yakima Harris says that they don't know what exactly happened to her son, Messiah. Doctors are continuing to do tests. Uh, but they were, again, thanks to uh, Officer Dixon's fast response, able to get him breathing again. Uh, and uh, Yakima Harris calls Baron Dixon her son's guardian angel. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Officer Baron Dixon there in Woodstock, Georgia, we thank you very much for your very good deed. That is going to do it for this edition of Baron Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for uh, being a part of the program. Uh, and I do have... A little bit of good personal news. I know that a lot of you are uh, following along with my wife, Miss E's fight with cancer. Uh, she was supposed to start another round of treatment today, but uh, she got some good news from her oncologist. She had a biopsy done recently, and things that they thought were cancer were not. So she gets to go another couple of months before she uh, might have to resume treatment again, which is great news. So please continue to keep her in your thoughts and prayers. If you are the praying kind, I appreciate them very, very much. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, be free.